Oh man, this sucks. So I got a letter in the mail last week about the um uh, the last episode that I did, and now they've put this. They've they've put this. Um, the FCC came in my room and they put a a light. This is the best way that I can describe it. And this light, it flashes red, it flashes orange, and it flashes green. So right now it's flashing green. It's letting me know that I'm okay to post any content. Right now it's it's sort of listening, if you will, on what I'm saying. Right now it's flashing green. And this is a constant thing, too. I haven't been able to sleep in like three days because there's a goddamn light. And it just went from, of course, as soon as I say goddamn, it goes from green to, to yellowish looking, almost like a warning sign. And according to them, it's going to set off an alarm. So, due to last week's episode, um, I have to inform you guys that <clears throat> I am on thin ice. Yeah, so, um, I'm gonna try to keep the cursing to a minimal this episode, that way that I don't set off this fucking sensor. See, it just went from green to red. I really wish you guys could see this. I guess I could post a picture on Twitter and, for that matter, Instagram. Yeah, I could, but why would I do that, you know? This thing is listening to my every word, and for that matter, I'm pretty sure it's listened to me sleep talk, and the other night, whenever I was on the phone with my girlfriend, I'm pretty sure that it heard me say some rather raunchy things to her. Um, moving on, welcome to the Gut Wrench Podcast. My name is Mocha, this is the Gut Wrench Podcast, and for anyone who is listening, who works for the FCC, you didn't hear what I said to my girlfriend last night that had to do with me being naughty or her being nice. <clears throat> anyway... So can you believe this? I have to press this damn button every time that this damn light starts turning certain colors. I just wish that it would turn Christmas colors already. Between the red, the yellow, the the green. You know, like, I enjoy seeing a good green flashing in my room once in a while. But other than that, it's just like, can I, like unscrew this thing somehow I mean it looks like it's just a light bulb with a battery in it so I don't understand how they can just keep this thing in my room welcome to the gut wrench podcast episode number 109 <clears throat> so in today's episode we will be discussing um the Christmas episode yes you finally got it you guys bothered me enough and now I did it. I did it again, just like last year I did a Christmas episode, which I actually don't think any of you understand why the title of that Christmas episode is. Chris, it's a Christmas episode, everybody. It wasn't a play on like Charlie Brown or anything like that. 
you know, because Charlie Brown is always like, oh, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. You know, those are, those are like the um, meat and potatoes of Charlie Brown episodes and how exactly that they, um, the, how do I say, the title of the episodes, that's exactly how they're titled, you know. It's a Christmas episode, everybody, was a direct result of me, of me, um, how, it's very difficult to concentrate because there's a fucking light, yeah, I said fucking, get red all you want, nobody cares, anyway, what I mean to say is that Whenever I named that one a Christmas, it's a Christmas episode, everybody. It was to poke fun, erroneously, obviously, at Kevin Owens because he used to do this thing as a character known as Kevin Steen, wherever he would put his thumb up, I guess like he's a hitchhiker or something, and then he would say, Package power driver, everybody, because he's a retard, I guess. Okay, well, retard apparently is yellow. I'm not sure how. It's, it's a forgotten insult. Anyway, that's not the point. What I mean to say is that my name is Mocha. This is the Gut Wrench Podcast, episode number 109. And in today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, we will be discussing the Christmas episode of Impact Wrestling. Okay, so they open the show. It's sort of a cold open, like this. Christmas, a time given... A time of giving that is associated with spending time with family, but TNA, but in TNA, that's just another excuse to beat the bleep out of somebody. And, you know, I can't say the word, obviously, because there's a... There's a... um. There's a thing on my thing, you know, like a sensor. Well, I mean, in the actual episode that we're looking at today, they themselves said bleep. So it's hard to say whether or not they said shit, whether or not they said fuck, whether or not they said, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say fuck, but I'm going to hope that the sensors don't, you know, get on my ass about it. You see what I'm doing? I'm doing a running gag here. You know, I got this fucking light bulb that likes to keep track of... What are you, a magic eight ball? How do you know what I'm saying? And who are you reporting to? Alexa, do you work for the FBI? (laughs) Anyway, uh, censored nor uh, monetized. My show isn't censored nor monetized. I wish I would have known that for whoever took these notes so I see it was me I took these notes so I suppose I could say the word that was censored or cut out but I don't know what word that they were uh, using in the first place I thought that that was pretty clever uh, intro that came off it caught me off guard uh, whenever I was first watching this and I didn't realize what they were going for whenever I heard it I thought uh, I thought I said, man, I should have thought of that. 
It was like a cold, a cold intro, a cold open for a Christmas. Yes, Christmas. And just uh, getting into further Gut Wrench podcast, just another excuse to talk about. Oh, okay, yeah. So I was talking about the fact that, or I took took some notes here, and then I thought that it was a pretty clever cold open, right? You know, like maybe I should have thought of that. I thought I should have thought of that. Like, hello, everyone. This is the Gut Wrench Podcast, and you know Christmas. It's all about spending time with your family, spending time with your cat or your dog or your Muppet or your frog or uh, anything, the eggnog, you know, the the mistletoe, the Christmas tree. But here at the Gut Wrench Podcast, it's just another excuse to talk about wrestling, you know. Okay, so they run down the matches that we're going to have tonight, which include tonight on Impact Wrestling, a double North Pole match, a Santa's Workshop Street Fights Knockouts match, and a Bloody Night Silent Night match. Oh, I'm sorry. A... And a Christmas Chaos Cage match. And a a Silent Night Bloody Night match. And AJ Styles takes on Kazarian in a Grab the Reindeer ladder match. So they've got a wide variety of just... And you can tell that this was booked by someone who... Wanted to make everyone happy. You know, and it's, it's extremely hard to do that. What they seem to say throughout the show here is that who's in charge is Jim Cornette. And don't get me wrong, Cornette, at this point in time, wasn't exactly the, the person that he is today. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing, because Cornette, today, he's so full of hot air. He's so full of himself, and I've talked about Cornette before, but I've taken the time every two or three months to listen to his podcast, and I swear every episode, it's uh, the, the five things that he wants to talk about. Midnight Express. Oh my God, whenever I was in the Midnight Express, whenever we were doing WCW, whenever we were in the Midnight Express, whenever WCW, like, stop living in the past, you stupid old fossil. WCW wasn't even that great. They fucking sucked. Everything about that, that WCW era of wrestling was garbage. It was... They were so they were so unorganized. Nobody talked to anybody. You know, it was like just trash TV. It was hotter trash than Jerry Springer. You know, rest in peace, Jerry Springer. Because Jerry Springer's show at least has some sort of continuity in it. But WCW, um, the Midnight Express, the Everything that he wants to talk about, he keeps talk. He keeps uh, referring to a talent who has been ranked in the top ten on a consistent basis in Kenny Omega, the real KO, as we all know. Um, 
<clears throat> he keeps referring to Kenny Omega as Twinkle Toes, whatever that's supposed to mean. I'm under the impression that Jim Cornette is one jealous of Kenny Omega's success and all the success that he's had because he's far surpassed anything that the Midnight Express has ever done, or two, is maybe even a combination of the both, or two, is being paid by a competitor. He's, his, his podcast is being paid by the competitive you know, wrestling scene in order to make AEW look bad. But in the process, he's making himself look bad because he can't constantly sit there and shit on AEW just because he doesn't understand their business model. Just because he doesn't understand what it is that they're going. I, I'm getting off topic, and I know that I am, but Jim Cornette... is an out-of-touch, old bastard. Back then, though, back here, whenever I'm taking you back to 2007, which is where we're primarily at here, <clears throat> he seemed to have some semblance of what it is that he was doing. And keep in mind, AEW hadn't even been thought of yet. At least... I don't think Jericho or Tony Khan or or the Bucks, Adam Cole, uh, Bobby Fish, fucking Kyle O'Reilly, I guess. I don't think anybody had ever really thought, hey, why don't we go out and make our own wrestling company? You know, it's easier said than done to do that, by the way. Uh, tonight on Impact Wrestling, a double that yeah, I already went through, and a Christmas Chaos, Christmas Chaos Cage match, uh, as Silent and Silent Night Bloody Night match, AJ Styles takes Hunt Kazarian in a Grab the Reindeer, uh, ladder match. You better watch out, Santa Claus, because TNA is coming to town, is what it said. <laughs> Directly after that, that promo package that I was talking about earlier. Anyway, Jeremy Borash uh, welcomes us to the 2007 TNA Christmas party. A young, vibrant Eric Young is uh, putting the last arrangements on the uh, tree, and he says it's perfect. He's going to love it. Velvet Sky then proceeds to ask uh, what exactly or who exactly is going to love it, Eric. And... Uh, Young proceeds to tell Velvet Sky, Santa's coming to town, he's going to love this Christmas tree. The evolution of Eric Young is something that I've never really touched on before. But here, he's a... He, want, he went from a, a young, vibrant, happy-go-lucky kid to now he's really only got one word that they call him and that's the maniac of professional wrestling if i had to relate to him if i had to relate him to someone in fiction i would uh, relate him to a pegasus from the Yu-Gi-Oh uh series and i know that that's an odd comparison for a lot of people i'm sure um <clears throat> 
one of the Godwins show up. Um, either it was the Godwins or it was the Bushwhackers. Because if the Godwins are sitting on the couch, then the Bushwhacker shows up. I'm sure that the other one didn't show up because he's he's dead now, from what I understand, uh, for some reason. But they're twins, so I can't tell them apart. So I don't know whether it's Butch or whether it's um. God damn it! What's the other one's name? Anyway, shows up and Eric Young for some reason says it's his uncle Eli. I don't remember any of. Uh, anyone being called Eli were completely known as the Bushwhackers, collectively known as the Bushwhackers, and it was Luke and Butch. Okay, and I can't tell which one this one is because they both looked that they looked exactly alike. You know, they never came out so that you could distinguish one from the other one. You know, the Usos nowadays, for instance, and the Bellas. Well, you can tell the Bellas apart. Because Nikki's the one with the bigger bust, and um, it looks as though that God wasn't so gracious enough with Rebella. But what I mean is, you know, the Usos, for instance. One of them will have face paint on their left, the other one will have face paint on the right, you know. But whenever they stopped doing the face paint thing, whenever they turned heel, one of them would come out with a glove on his right hand or with his shirt off so that you would know which one was which and especially for commentary because commentary would commonly refer to Usos as Us goes up! Us with the super kick! Yes, we get it Michael Cole. You can't tell the two Samoan brothers apart. <clears throat> uh, Jeremy Borash looks at the camera and says we've got a huge party here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it's not your regular office party, it's a TNA Christmas party. And then he sends it down to ringside as Lance Hoyt and Jimmy Rave uh, with Christy Hemi, the rock and rave infection is what they're collectively known, uh, known as. The best part of this team is honestly Christy Hemi, uh, their tag team partner James Storm, and Robert Rude who were collectively, I don't know if it was at this time or whether or not it was years later, but collectively they would become known as a Beer Money. But here, they didn't come out together as Beer Money. Anyway, um, Rock and Rave Infection, which is, um, try to keep up with me here, Lance Hoyt and Jimmy Rave, um... James Storm and Robert Roode, who at this time were not a uh, part of Beer Money, versus LAX, which is made up of Homicide and Hernandez, and Scott Steiner and Booker T. It's supposed to be an eight-man tag team match, but let me get the... Okay, Homicide, Hernandez, Scott Steiner, and Booker T. Yeah, that's four. And I guess we've got four in the Rock and Rave Infection and Beer Money. So, yeah, I guess that is eight people on one team. Uh, they're trying to tell a lot of stories here. This includes domestic violence. Uh, this is supposed to be a, a, a bad blood. There's supposed to be bad, bad blood, rather, between Lance Hoyt and LAX. Booker T 
who also has a bone to pick with uh, someone who threatened domestic violence on his wife, which was Robert Rude. I don't know why I didn't write that down, uh, because she didn't stay out of Robert Rude's business. So here's the thing. Robert Rude was in the, um, in the ring, and he was talking to this lady, uh, Miss Brooke, I think her name is, and we'll see her a little bit later on. But he was talking to Miss Brooke. It's never really specified that he's hitting Miss Brooke or whether or not he's... And keep in mind, he's in front of, like, the highlights that they show. Uh, he's in front of, like, an audience of people. So if Robert Rude were to hit her, apparently there would be witnesses and shit. It just shows him yelling at her for... No reason, because there is no audio. It just shows, like, the video package of what's happening. So I, I have no uh, background as to... So I can't say whether she deserved it or not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That that light right now, it's, it's going red right now. Like, domestic violence, domestic violence. You know, I'm kidding. Okay? So uh, there will be no Christmas beatings during the holiday... Um, with me and my family or anything of that nature. We do not promote violence. Once again, here at the Gut Wrench Podcast, we do not promote violence. Anyway, what I mean to say is that um, Robert Rude was in the ring with this lady, um, Ms. Brooke, and then all of a sudden Charmel just comes down out of nowhere for no reason and starts yelling at Bobby Rude. Once again... Robert Rude, sorry. It doesn't matter. He, he goes by both monikers. It, but, and now all of a sudden, because Robert Rude said that he was going to kick Charmel's teeth down her throat or something of that nature, because someone else is saying it on his behalf or something, or maybe they cut the audio out of it so that Robert Rude doesn't get like a career, you know, execution, something of that nature. Anyway, now Booker T's got a bone to pick with Robert Rude because Booker T's wife couldn't keep her business. Like, what? What? Wait. This is, you know, couldn't keep her. Just keep to yourself, lady. You know, it's got nothing to do with you. Would you prefer... Robert Rude to beat on you rather than Ms. Brooke? <clears throat> Sorry, I had to check my email really fast because I got that light that's going off right there in my peripheral vision. I got to watch what it does. Anytime that it gives me like a two yellow... Um, go arounds at one time I'm supposed to like check my email for uh, any updates <clears throat> I swear it's like being on probation or something this is so stupid how can the FCC enforce something like this <clears throat> okay well anyway it was because of the domestic violence that I said something that has to do with like they told me that I'm on thin ice basically you know don't make domestic violence jokes is what they said because, you know, we here at the Gut Wrench Podcast, you know, <laughs> shut up, okay? Just shut up. 
nobody make fun of me. At least I'm not having to pay some ridiculous fine like the, the FCC usually does. Next thing you know, I'm going to be doing like UFC uh, reviews or anything like that. Is it okay, uh, FCC, you know, send me your next email. Is it okay if I review a UFC or, or two or three or four or five or ten or twelve UFC pay-per-views? You know, from back whenever I was growing up, UFC was like one of the biggest attractions as far as like you know, whenever cage fighting was around, whenever it was like something that was actually worth watching. Not to say that it's not worth watching anymore, but it's just a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know. You just don't know who anybody is nowadays. Back then, it was like, and I don't mean to be like one of those people, you know, like I just got done talking about how Jim Cornette was an out of touch old man in the last segment. And I don't mean to be like one of those people back in my day, you know, but nothing like that. But at the same time, back in my day, whenever UFC, you actually knew who the fucking fighters were because they had built a reputation. You know, who's Tito Ortiz and why is he facing off against Chuck Liddell? I can't miss that because that's going to be a fucking banger. But then again, I would go around the house telling my entire family, whoever they're voting for, to win the UFC fight between Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell, I'm voting for the exact opposite because I'm different. Yeah, I'm different. Yeah, don't copyright strike me. Shut up. Everybody just shut up, all right? <clears throat> no more domestic violence jokes, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Uh-oh, I'm on thin ice. Watch out. Let's see the fucking sirens outside. Jesus, they're sending them my way. Okay, I'm done mocking you. Jesus, leave me alone. <clears throat> I don't exactly have the full story. I have uh, snippets of a uh, full story. Snippets of the full story, rather, uh, that was told to me. And keep in mind, I didn't watch Impact Wrestling at around this time. It was maybe a year later when a friend of mine uh, came to me and said, hey, you should really check out uh, Impact Wrestling. They're coming on tonight. You know, and I was in middle school at the time. Uh, we were both in middle school uh, probably, and I was looking at him like, uh, no, there's no way that I'm going to do that um, because I felt as though that I would be cheating on WWE, as stupid as that sounds. But it was middle school, their logic. <clears throat> Scott Steiner uh, starts to take control of this match uh, early on. As the match, uh, it looks as though that we have Scott Steiner facing off against Lance Hoyt. Lance Hoyt very quickly tags out to Jimmy Rave, which is his tag team partner, and uh, Hernandez of the LAX... Uh, Jimmy Rave went for a Facebook... I don't know what I mean by that. Uh, Lance Hoyt very quickly tags out to Jimmy Rave. I guess what I meant to say was that Scott Steiner tagged out to Hernandez of LAX. Uh, Jimmy Rave went for a uh, face buster, maybe, but... <clears throat> Hernandez was able to uh, turn it into a sidewalk slam, a modified sidewalk slam Hernandez tagged out to Homicide and Homicide does a nasty looking catapult 
to Jimmy Rave uh, sending him careening uh, into the steel cage head first. It looked like he didn't even have time to like put his hands up. Yes, yes, I understand. No violence. But this is a wrestling match. Look, this isn't ballet, all right? You can't just tell me that I can't talk about blood, guts, violence. You know, this is a wrestling match. It is appropriate that I talk about violence. <clears throat> I'm sorry, somebody off camera is letting... Off camera? Holy crap, this is not being recorded on camera. Somebody off microphone is what I should say, is letting me know that I could be fined for what I'm saying here. Homicide with an elbow off the Irish whip and tries to pin Robert Rude. Okay, I skipped a few things. Uh, to homicide and homicide does a nasty looking catapult to Jimmy Rave, sending him careening into the cage. Uh, the cage wall head first. He tries to get the pin, but only gets a two count. On Jimmy Rave, Homicide tries to get the pin. Uh, homicide with a elbow off the Irish whip and tries to pin Robert Roode, uh, who Jimmy Rave previously tagged. Okay, there's the tag mention. I was going to say, usually I write down whenever someone tags out. <clears throat> who Jimmy Rave previously tagged in and only gets half a one count on Robert Roode. <clears throat> After they come back from a commercial break, Lance Hoyt uh, tags in J James Storm, and it looks as though that the Tennessee Cowboy, James Storm, is uh, keeping Homicide from getting to his corner. This is Tag Team Wrestling 101. This is what you want to do. You want to isolate the other person from getting to their corner. A storm tags out to Lance Hoyt. Once again, Homicide tries to create some distance between himself and the opposing team of Beer Money and the Raven Rock, uh, Rock and Rave Connection, I guess is what they're called. Um, <clears throat> Christy Hemi was trying to give Jimmy Rave's attention. She's like on the cage, um, on the outside of the cage, and she's saying, uh, Rave, Rave! rave like that and she's got something in her hand perhaps to give him a weapon christy hemi is trying to give him a weapon uh she has something in her hand and somebody not really sure who it is their face is uh sort of obscured showing up uh, uh shows up next to her next to christy hemi once again with the domestic violence trying to assault women and no, it's not me here at the Gut Wrench Podcast trying to assault women. Okay. Just just so you know, this was this was just something that I was watching on TV. <clears throat> you know what they say, it seems today that all you see is violence and does she say nudity and sex on TV? No. Anyway, where are those good old fashioned values? On which we used to rely. Lucky. There's a... F okay, I'm done. <laughs> the face is obscured. It shows up next to her and tries to hit her in the face. In the face. Exactly. See? We're lucky we ha we've got a family guy. Uh, hit her in the face, but she uh, ducks. I read that wrong. I thought that that said drunks. 
but she ducks and she starts running away with whatever weapon she had in her hand. I'm not sure why she doesn't just bop, you know. In all this confusion, Booker T had a pin. <clears throat> there was uh, six people in the ring from both sides of each team. Usually the referee is supposed to try to get everybody back to their corners, but this is Impact Wrestling. There is no consistency as far as rules go. Uh, three or four people from each team being in the ring at the same time you know, just because this is a cage match doesn't necessarily excuse the fact that they're breaking the rules at the same time. Last week, we looked at a cage match where Mark Henry interfered and proceeded to rip the cage door off the hinges and proceed to beat the big show over the head with it. Um, with said cage door, rather over the head with said cage door and no one disqualified the big show he was simply assaulted with a cage door allowing Alberto Del Rio to escape the cage and won the match so maybe I'm wrong there is no rule in a cage match but if that were the case then why is the first near six or seven minutes of this match with everyone acting civilized and staying in their corner inconsistencies aside it seems as though that impact wrestling has learned from their last mistake <clears throat> for the last time that we reviewed a cage match uh in a previous episode of the gut wrench podcast i talked about the fact that uh i talked a little bit about how i thought it was a bad idea for those wrestlers to be sandwiched between nothing but ropes and a steel cage. I also talked about how it was a bad idea for them to have more than three or four uh, people, let alone five or six, but in this case, eight, in one small octagon-shaped cage for a short, like so many people can fit in one cage, and then you've got, what, a cameraman, a, a referee, six to eight professional wrestlers. And I gave it two out of five stars. Doesn't seem like I've got any sort of ending here. But, yeah, the, the match abruptly ends after Christy Hemi was trying to throw Jimmy Rave this... Uh, this uh, chain of some sort. But I don't think that he gets it. I think that the heel team ends up... Oh. Well, it's hard to tell who's heel and who's face here because I associate LAX, for instance, with being heels, but they end up winning. Because Scott Steiner pins someone. I can't remember who it is. But Jimmy Rave got distracted by Chrissy Hemi and... LAX, or at least one of their boys, ended up uh, running Chrissy Hemi away. We go back to the Christmas party that we previously uh, joined at the beginning of the show. Uh, the doorbell rings. Every time the goddamn doorbell rings, yeah, I see you, light. I'm not allowed to say goddamn, I know. Anyway, every time that that goddamn doorbell rings, 
we just, for some reason, get Eric Young. Every time that that doorbell rings, Eric Young is jumping up and down, and he's like the Will Ferrell. You remember the movie he did, Elf? He's like, Santa! So he's clapping his hands, and then he's like, it's Santa. Santa's coming. Santa's coming. Hey, guys, we need to get this Christmas party in order. Santa's coming. It's all night with this guy, and, and it's Santa references. But we'll get to that in just a moment. The doorbell rings, and out walks Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, two-thirds of a group known as the Beautiful People. And Velvet Sky says uh, she and Angelina Love are here to, quote, Service the guests. Eric Young then then says, you're going to give the guests your milk and cookies. You can serve these guests muffins. Okay, so apparently sexual, um, I, I probably shouldn't say the word. Every time that I say the word sexual, by the way, I'm getting three, you know, like, um, in succession, by the way, three red, like, <clears throat> okay, so apparently, um, sexual innuendo is okay, because that light's still green, except whenever I say the word sexual. Anyway, aside from that, the doorbell rings once again, Eric gets excited that it's possibly Santa Claus, and but it's ODB who shows up with a flask in her hand, grabbing her own breasts, and Eric Young starts dancing with her. I guess that's the type of woman he's into, and yes, these two had an on-screen interaction before, and ODB was always looking out for Eric Young, young Eric Young. <clears throat> awesome Kong then shows up. Uh, Santa is still not here, but the good news is that segment was pretty fun, especially seeing Eric Young so excited every time that the doorbell rings, thinking that it's Santa Claus for some silly reason, and it's not Santa Claus. It's either an extremely attractive lady, an extremely attractive woman, or an extremely unattractive woman, but I suppose beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and just because I don't like ODB or Awesome Kong necessarily doesn't mean that someone else wouldn't like their company. <clears throat> Team 3D then comes out to uh, and gets a microphone. This segment goes on for a while, guys. He grabs a microphone, and Bully Ray then wishes everyone a very Merry Christmas. Keep in mind that he's he's dressed up in Santa garb. <clears throat> and then says he would like to apologize to the guns and the black machismo. Um, Jay Lethal. Then three small people show up, and I don't know how, like, there's no other way to say it. But they're under, like, a certain demographic. And I know if I say the word, it's going to be considered a racial slur. Well, not exactly a racial slur, but it's demeaning to those people, you know. Like, I shouldn't say the word midgets. 
but that's what I've come to know them as, you know. Oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. Okay, especially with the sensors on my ass. But anyway, what I mean is midgets. And it's not the Motor City machine guns. It's not Black Machismo J Lethal. This is in bad taste, but I'm still laughing. I'm entertained, sure, but I still see why this is a bad-tasting joke. He tells him what he wants for Christmas. Of course, I'm talking about, like, you know, the three midgets that are being made fun of during this match. One of them's supposed to represent Alex Shelley. Another one's supposed to represent Chris Sabin. And obviously the third one's supposed to represent the black machismo, um, Jay Lethal. <clears throat> the Christmas story... Oh, okay. So he tells him what he wants for Christmas. He's, he's sitting on Santa's lap. More sexual innuendo, I'm sure. <clears throat> and whenever he's sitting on his lap, by the way, he, he tells him, um, you want me to bounce you? And then he starts bouncing him like he's some toddler. He says, yeah, that feels good, don't it? I'm like, oh my God, please stop with the sexual innuendos. Anyway, he, he whispers in his ear what he wants for Christmas, uh, to this bully Ray who's dressed up as Santa Claus. And, uh, he says, you don't want that. You'll poke your eye out, kid. And then he, he shoves him off. <laughs> he shoves him off of his lap. And then the next one gets up. And then uh, who's on Bully Ray's lap uh, acts like they fell from a 12-story building. And he does this stick three times. Once for Chris Saban, once for Alex Shelley, and once for the Black Machismo J. Lethal. Uh, little Chris Saban... Slaps Bully in the face and says, you just made a little mistake. Oh, my God. With the little jokes again. Don't. Oh. <laughs> then the beatdown begins as Johnny Devine and Bully Ray and uh, Devon Dudley proceed to beat up the little men. Um, the doubled North Pole match. Uh, as Team 3D faces off against the Motor City Machine Guns because the guns come out and then they're like, hey, why don't you boys, I know that we were supposed to have this match earlier on in the night, but why don't we have it right now or whatever else. And then, you know, they were like, okay, let's have it right now. They go to commercial break and by the time that they come back, the match is already set up. Suddenly, Giant Lizard. Uh, from each, From each stalking, they have these labels. One of the labels is an Ultimate X match, while the other label is a glass, holy crap, is a plate glass tables match, which does not sound fun to compete in. Uh, one of the labels could, quite frankly, enter you in a chance to win a world championship match, and the other one seems pretty useless to me. Motor City Machine Guns chant, or I'm sorry, Motor City chants, uh, as the crowd gets behind Saban, uh, as Saban starts to work over <clears throat> Johnny Devine. <clears throat> there are no pinfalls, there are no submissions to this match. Uh, they are just now mentioning that, even though it's a pole match. So the objective of the match would be to uh, 
pretty self-explanatory. Climb the pole, uh, get the objective, get down the pole. Uh, Johnny Devine makes the tag to Devon Dudley, who starts working over Chris Saban in the corner. Um, the crowd is making a lot of noise here, uh, getting behind, getting behind, getting fully behind, I should say, the guns, the Motor City Machine Guns, Black Machismo, Jay Lethal, uh, working on the arm of uh, Bully Ray. I must have missed him making the tag as he's working over uh, Bully Ray's arm. You can hear him cry, please stop, please don't. Black Machismo taking Bully Ray with a beautiful arm drag, which is hard for me to believe that the Black Machismo Jay Lethal could do an arm drag to a man that's like three times his size. Keep in mind, Bully Ray's maybe 270, Black Machismo Jay Lethal is maybe 190. <clears throat> I shouldn't say three times his size, but still, you know, one, what is Jay Lethal like at this point in time? What was the X Division like? 190 and below. <clears throat> he does an arm drag to Bully Ray, a huge urinagi off of the Irish whip uh, from Jack, Jack from, I'm sorry, to Black Machismo J. Lethal. And that makes sense because Bully Ray would have the size advantage, so the urinagi would be in his favor. Um <clears throat> The little guy who played Alex Shelley, the lookalike, even though he's technically uh, didn't look like anything, didn't look like him at all, went up top a uh, turnbuckle and spiked Bully Ray in the Family Jewels, uh, basically giving Team 3D a taste of their own medicine because they're usually the ones to put their opponents in the receiving end of this move that they have called What's Up? which I'm sure that isn't a movie reference at all, uh, when they do it and it gets done to them, in this case, a lot of shtick happens, even though I really didn't write it down just because it was extremely difficult for me to explain. The little guy who was being uh, made fun of by Team 3D, well, those little guys got a little bit of retribution, and I'm not trying to make a little joke here by saying that they got a, quote, little bit of retribution. I mean, I could have said that they got a lot of retribution or that they got some big retribution. Or I could have worded that differently and it would have, would just be hard to explain on paper it was funny, it was entertaining, the crowd really enjoyed it, everything that was happening and seem, seems like the first time that they're making noise here tonight because that cage match was a snoozer. And yes, they would end up climbing to the other side of the cage. I'm sorry, cage? Did I say cage? I'm not trying to mention any cages here. What I meant to say was they did climb the other side of the pole in order to get the um, X Division match. And there was a whole nother story there too. Like whoever got their match 
like on one side of the corner you had the glass tables match, right? The glass tables match if the if team 3D was to bring that down from that side of the pole, then Alex Shelley and the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley um and Chris Sabin would have had to face off against Team 3D at the next pay-per-view final resolution in a glass tables match. But now that uh, seemingly what ends up happening is Chris Saban ends up pulling down the X Division um, trope match from that side of the pole. I don't know. It's hard to explain unless you were there, unless you watched it, unless you've seen it, or unless you look up highlights of it. But that's not the only on a pole match that we're going to see. Well, sort of. We've still got a ladder match, and that's the main event. But that's neither here nor there. That's everywhere. We go back to the Christmas party. Once again, hosted by Eric Young. Uh, these two guys are trying to tell Awesome Kong uh, to move out of the way because they've got to pee. I honestly don't see that she's in the way of the bathroom, but maybe they're drunk. It is supposed to be a Christmas party, and I don't really understand why people get hammered uh, during the holidays, but they do sometimes in response of being told uh, to move by these two out-of-shape-looking country boys. She drops them like a bad habit. Meanwhile, in the background, Chrissy Hemme, Eric Young, and Velvet Sky, Angelina Love, are singing in unison, Santa Claus is coming to town. Big Kevin Nash shows up. And, okay, so more sexual innuendo. So get the censors ready as I start to bleep out some stuff because we get pretty graphic here. <clears throat> I'm joking. Oh, my God. You can't take a joke, can you? There is no censor. There is no bleep, bleep, bleep. You know, like, I'm not going to be censored, okay? Other than that fucking... Whatever the hell it... I mean, what is that? Is that like a... I, I mean, obviously, that's what it is. It's like a... I can't... I can't think. It's like a fucking pole that's got a light on the end of it. What is that, a lighthouse? God damn. Anyway, um, Eric Young talking to Kevin Nash, and he doesn't know it, or at least he pretends to not realize, not really understand what it is that he's implying about Angelina Love or Velvet Sky. <clears throat> So, Kevin Nash is talking to, um, is talking to Eric Young, and Eric Young says, hey, would you like to be serviced by these two beautiful women? Don't, don't say it. Don't say it. Eric Young, don't say it. And then they have a little interaction, a little back and forth where uh, Eric Young says, would you like to take them on two at one time, uh, or would you like to share one one-on-one -on -one or half and half? And then the whole time he's looking both Angelina Love and um, 
I guess Velvet Sky, he's looking them both in the eyes, you know, and he's almost like he gets to pick his his poison. Eric Young says the... <laughs> he says, would you like them half and half? And then next he says, or a two-for-one special? Like, what are you, a pimp, Eric Young? EY over here. I I just don't get it. Uh, somehow Eric Young ends up looking like a pimp, but I don't really know. I don't think he knows it because he's too innocent to know anything. Then ODB steps out from the bar, uh, calling Angelina Love a slut, and then proceeds to pour crackers on her and then gets attacked by the other half of the beautiful people in Velvet Sky. Kurt Angle and Karen Angle show up, and Kurt Angle tries to break the news to Eric Young. He even says, Eric, i got to talk to you. And then he pulls him aside, you know, away from everybody else. He tries to tell him. He pulls him aside. Privately, he says, Santa Claus, S Santa Claus doesn't exist. Eric Young tells uh, Angle, you know, I've got a great sense of humor. Eric Young tells him, look, Kurt, I know you've got a great sense of humor. And that's what I like about you. Kurt Angle then tries to explain to Young that Santa Claus is like a cartoon character. He says, Santa Claus is like Shrek or, or Spider-Man. Eric Young, on the other hand, seems to think that Kurt Angle is trying to tell him that Shrek dresses up as Santa Claus every year. <laughs> Kurt Angle then goes, goes on to ask uh, Eric Young where the alcohol is because after trying to explain to him for five minutes that Santa Claus doesn't exist, he needs a drink. Eric Young, on the other hand, seems to think that Shrek and Spider-Man are working in conjunction with one another. Spider-Man lowers the Christmas gifts on his web, I guess, from the chimney under the tree. <clears throat> anyway, we're going to go on to our next match. ODB versus Roxy. Roxanne something, I didn't quite get her last name, and they don't say it enough times, uh, versus Jackie Moore, versus Chrissy Hemi, versus Miss Brooke, versus Awesome Kong, versus our champion, Gail Kim, by the way, the championship is not on the line, versus two-thirds of the beautiful people in Angelina Love and Velvet Sky. Now, the first thing that I want to point out is more sexual... Um, I shouldn't say harassment. Innuendo. <clears throat> a rather sexual entrance from uh, the beautiful people in Angelina Love and Velvet Sky. Uh, Two-thirds of a group known as the beautiful people, as I've mentioned before. <clears throat> Make sure that the cameraman gets that shot of them bending over and getting into the ring as Angelina Love, who's wearing some fishnets, and Velvet Sky, who's wearing a very short skirt and some holiday panties.
some holiday panties. I just like to hear myself talk sometimes. <coughs> no, I see why ODB called them sluts, but I wouldn't call them that ODB would. The story or the blunt of the story here is being told through the two participating, the two participants, rather, that the focus of this match is on is Gail Kim, the Knockouts champion, and Awesome Kong. Uh, someone who's been trailing Gail Kim for the better part of three months, according to commentary. Um, now, this is a nine-way street fight. <clears throat> Keep that in mind, because they could have done a normal no-disqualification match. They could not have to do this whole, hey, it's a let's get non-women and put them in the ring together and call it, oh, okay, I was supposed to say nine women. I don't see why it says non-women. A street fight. Gil Kim uh, really taking the fight to Awesome Kong, and Kong is like three times Kim's size. Both women are putting on a show, and the holiday chaos that is happening in the ring isn't exactly easy to keep up with because the cameraman keeps going over to Gil Kim and Awesome Kong, and then it's so hard to see what's what's happening in the ring on a consistent level. Chrissy Hemi gets drop kicked by Velvet Sky and looks like the beautiful people in Velvet Sky and Angelina Love are teaming up, which that's a good <laughs> that's a good strategy. Are teaming up on Miss Jackie with a boot to the face to Velvet Sky. We get this is awesome from the crowd, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um <clears throat> there's a lot happening, sure, but that doesn't mean that this is awesome. ODB with a Thez Press on Roxanne Laveau, uh, Miss Brooke uh, putting the knees in the corner of Christy Hemi. The beautiful people have a toy box, and they end up hitting ODB, knocking her out of the ring with a wooden uh, crate. They keep referring to as a toy box. Awesome Kong comes to the ring uh, after a brief time away from from the ring uh, doing something to Gail Kim off camera. At least that's what I, is implied. Uh, we don't exactly see what happens, of course, because I started, as I stated before, it was off camera. Uh, Kong, nonetheless, uh, cleaning house with the beautiful people of Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, then moving on to Miss Jackie, then Miss Brooke, and <clears throat> a spinning back fist, uh, getting rid of the threat, if that's what you want to call her, of Roxanne Laveau, Chrissy Hemi, then takes an awesome bomb for the three count and the win. Awesome Kong picks up the victory in a two out of five <clears throat> uh, stars for me uh, not a lot happened in a short period of time and the most entertaining part of all of that had to be in Angelina Love and Velvet Sky their highlights alone carried this match uh, at least in my opinion of course 
no one went out for any pins. There wasn't any story being told here. Um, and I uh, wouldn't give it uh, more points, but the crowd at some point, it was chanting, this is awesome. Uh, however, I have to not agree with them. This most definitely was not awesome. There was nothing about this at all that was awesome. Um, <clears throat> there was nothing awesome. There was nothing about it. Uh, seeing some, all, Other than seeing some of my favorite um, wrestlers that I've, uh, keep this in mind, had a crush on maybe, probably, since middle school. Once again, I keep referring to, I keep showing up, I keep showing up if we were to list the number of women that I've said that I've had a crush on since middle school. <clears throat> it would be a rather lengthy list, but this wasn't very entertaining. Mike Tanay on commentary giving us awesome Kong's measurements as if that's appropriate but that's extremely disrespectful and rude to give a woman's weight. But apparently she's six foot one, 287 and one half pounds. And compared to the other ladies, to the other women in this division, that's not fair. If she's that big because the other women in this division look like Barbie dolls compared to her. Did I just call her fat? Yes. Oh, then now that fucking light's gonna keep... Oh my god, I keep landing myself in hot water, guys. You know, I'm so sorry. Because now I'm fat shaming, apparently. I swear, I can't win. You see what I mean? You can't... You can't please everybody. And that's exactly what Jim Cornette was trying to do back in the day. He was trying to please everybody. And you can't do that, no matter how hard that you try. Like John Cena, for instance. John Cena is a perfect example of trying to please everybody at one time, but ending up getting more people to hate you just because you're trying to please everybody at one time. If you would just be yourself once in a while, you would understand that you would have a lot more friends and maybe even a lot more enemies than what you realize. But those enemies, much like your friends, could become your friends. They could see your point of view. They could see your um, vision. Anyway, after the match is over, uh, as I stated before, Awesome Kong probably did something to Gil Kim off camera. <clears throat> but after the match is over, Kim runs down to the ring uh, with a steel chair in her hand and she's looking to swing for the fences and she finds a home run in three times uh, including once in the face of Awesome Kong and Kong was absolutely shook to her core. Then security comes down to try to tear these two apart. Meanwhile, the crowd is chanting, Let them fight! Let them fight! The other all trying to charge at each other. Um, Kong charges at Kim and uh, Gail Kim's in a corner and can't escape because she's literally between a rock and a hard place. There's like four security guards holding her in place. She's got to her back, she's got a wrestling ring or a wrestling turnbuckle and um, she's got this big black um, 
Japanese wrestler. I want to call her a Japanese wrestler because that's where, that's where she's, I won't say originally from, but that's where she was trained. You know, this big black Japanese 280 pound woman, you know, trailing her. <clears throat> it's fine. It's fine. <clears throat> Kim couldn't escape the uh, security guards uh, are guarding her from both ends of the ring. Chris Harris, one half of America's Most Wanted, which was a tag team made up of Chris Harris and James Storm, which probably by this point in time wasn't... <laughs> so, that's how I remember Chris Harris, though. He was one half of America's Most Wanted. <clears throat> but at this point in time, I don't even think that that tag team was really relevant. But anyway, shows up to the Christmas party as Eric Young um, keeps getting more and more excited and enamored uh, with the idea of Santa Claus showing up to his Christmas party. Chris Harris uh, shows, uh, brings up the fact that it's his birthday and nobody brought him a present for his birthday. Chris Harris goes on to say, who else has a birthday on Christmas? Eric Young then says, J.C. And Chris Harris goes, What What do you mean, Jim Cornette? His birthday's on... His birthday's on Christmas? And Eric Young was under his breath. He just says, Jesus Christ. You know, like, Jesus Christ? If you guys didn't pick that up on my audio. Um, but... You know, Eric Young says it under his breath, so I thought that I'd say it too. <clears throat> but Chris Harris thinks that he means Jim Cornette. I think Eric Young was talking about another JC. Yeah, uh, okay. Uh, the small guys from the previous segment uh, show up, and so do the Motor City Machine Guns, the guys who won the North Pole. Uh, earlier on, the North Pole match earlier on in the night. A brief interview segment from Samoa Joe. Uh, the story here is that Joe is apparently a little more than upset about the fact that Jim Cornette is the on-screen management for uh, Impact Wrestling. And at this time, it wasn't giving Joe sufficient enough opportunities, including uh, certain pay. <clears throat> and isn't handling uh, some isn't holding the isn't holding TNA to the same regard that Joe uh, would like him to that would become uh, more than just a story that was played out for TV in recent years after this would happen uh, Joe would also go on record in third party interviews and say that uh he thought it was a disgrace that all the old WWE talents uh, kept showing up to Impact Wrestling to pick up a, a bigger paycheck than someone like Samoa Joe who had been there the entire time and worked for some... Keep in mind that Joe would work, like, let's say he worked seven, seven months, and then all of a sudden Jeff Hardy shows up. Jeff Hardy just signs a new contract with uh, Impact Wrestling. You want to know what would happen to Samoa Joe? 
even though he'd been working there for seven months that year, what they would do is they would practically say, hey, Joe, we know that we promised you a title opportunity, more TV time, and a bigger paycheck. And for that matter, we know that we promised you a huge, huge push, as well as all these other bonuses. But we've been in talks with Jeff Hardy for about two two weeks now. And Hardy, um, since he signed, we're going to go ahead and push Jeff Hardy. And then they would give Jeff Hardy the big push that they promised Samoa Joe, who had been working for, let's say, seven months, eight months, almost. Wouldn't that piss you off, too? And Joe had this. In this case, it was nothing more than a storyline that was played out for TV. But in the real world, that's how things would work, because... Jeff Hardy's more popular than Samoa Joe. That would piss me off too. Yeah, I see you, you light, just because I said the word piss. Sometimes it's appropriate to cuss, all right? Sometimes it's appropriate to swear, you bastard. <laughs> Fucking light, man, I swear. I'm sorry, freaking light. Joe, who had been there the entire time, and worked for something, only to have it taken from him by someone else who had made, made the name for themselves somewhere else <clears throat> as some sort of a popularity contest because they've got friends in other companies because the other company that they were working for at that time decided not to hire them back. Ric Flair, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Mr. Perfect, Rob Van Dam, Victoria, Hulk Hogan, Sting... Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy. Uh, these are the best examples that I can think of uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, the story that Joe was trying to convey because Samoa Joe had worked for years before getting to the WWE. He would come to a tryouts match and they would pick John Cena over him. According to Samoa Joe, uh, Joe is quite talented and he's got the strength of a super heavyweight, but he's still as agile as someone who's 190 pounds. And he's got the technique of a technical wrestler and the power and speed of a high flyer. Joe is a walking anomaly, a moving paradox. Now it's time for our co-main event, a silent night bloody night match what does that mean i have no no earthly idea all right we're at the home stretch <clears throat> give me one second i was running out of time on that last segment so anyway um silent night bloody night and Yes, that's literally the name of the match. It's a Silent Night, Bloody Night match. What's the object of this match? I'm assuming it's just a regular, you know, extreme rules, no disqualification, no holds barred, um, pin, pin your opponent whenever you beat the fuck out of them. Yes, I see you. I see you. I said another four-letter word. What are you going to do? Uh, send me a fucking... See, I'll say it again. Fuck, 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 fuck. What do I look like? Oh my god. 
My parents listen to this show. Guys, why do you listen to this? This is garbage. Low ball televisions like Jerry Springer all over again. As Relic versus Black Rain versus Shark Boy versus Abyss. <clears throat> There's a Christmas tree in the wrestling ring and it's covered in barbed wire. I have several questions. Why? Why do why do we have a Christmas tree wrapped in barbed wire? Wrapped around the Christmas tree uh was a Christmas story that I missed. Yeah, was there a Christmas story remix that maybe I, I didn't get the memo for? Did I I oh my god. I wish that I had an explanation for everything. Was there a Christmas story that I missed? Did I did I not get the memo? Uh there's also presents under said barbed wire Christmas tree. Relic pulls out and apparently <clears throat> And apparent, it's a golf club, a commentary says, each present under the Christmas tree is a weapon. But I'm going to ask again, why? Why are there weapons under the Christmas tree? What part of, you know, I, I, just, just forget it. Uh, there's, this is wrestling and this is weird, no the doubt. Professional uh, wrestling can sometimes get weird. <clears throat> but ask yourself this, what element does it bring to a professional wrestling match to add barbed wire to a Christmas tree, and for that matter, add weapons under said Christmas tree? Uh, why couldn't they just have a normal match, or an extreme rules match, or a no disqualification match, what, whatever? Why with all the gimmicks? Like, I don't, I don't get it. You know, it's sort of overkill. Uh, anyway, Abyss is uh, leveling Black Rain in the ring, and Shark Boy is tearing off uh, Relic uh, outside the uh, ring. Relic and Black Rain somewhat working together to take down Abyss, and they do a move that the Heart Foundation used to do called the Heart Attack, but on commentary they don't acknowledge that. Uh, Shark Boy taking control of the match with a kendo stick uh, knocking black rain out of the ring on their back on his back rather <clears throat> now black rain using christmas using the christmas tree as a weapon and relic uh hit black rain with the clothesline both relic and black rain stop each other uh from getting the three count on Shark Boy, Abyss pulls out a barbed wire baseball bat from a crisp, from out from under the Christmas tree, and I think I've seen Mick Foley uh, do something similar, and he's had the barbed wire baseball bat, and maybe Terry Funk uh, before him. I'm not sure. I haven't watched many Terry Funk uh, growing up. And Abyss... Uh, Something else that Mick Foley used to do with the thumbtacks in the center of the ring. Somebody's got to uh, get put through those thumbtacks. And he reaches for yet another bag. The last bag, burlap sack, had thumbtacks in it. And this one's got broken glass in it. I 
never really seen Terry Funk or Mick Foley uh, do that. I'm left wondering once again, why with the brutality? You know, like it's Christmas. Can't we just like, like why? Does Christmas and horror really go together like that? You know, it's a Christmas movie. No, it's a fucking horror movie. What are you talking about? It's a Christmas movie. Motherfucker, he's chasing her through a hallway while she's not wearing a bra or panties with a fucking knife screaming, ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. You know, like, was there a James Franco movie that I missed? So the manager comes down, like we're at Taco Bell now. Whenever I say manager, by the way, I just mean fucking, his name is, hang on, I'll get it here in a minute, Father James Mitchell. Um, So Father James Mitchell comes down, he's not my father, so I'm not calling him that, uh, comes down to distract the referee, uh, that's a trope that happens. Uh, Father James Mitchell, who shows up unexpectedly, i put that in air quotes, by the way, to distract the referee while Abyss goes uh, for the pin off the choke slam on Black Rain and the lights go out and someone shows up behind Abyss and plants him into the thumbtacks, uh, costing them the match. And apparently his name is Judas Compersic. It's hard to... <clears throat> They say it like three times, but they say it really fast. His last name isn't important. One out of five stars for me. All these elements didn't really add anything to the wrestling match. It just took everything away. We go back to the Christmas party as Samoa Joe confronts Matt Morgan, the man who is supposed to be in charge tonight. And responsible for all the festivities, but Joe does not sound happy. Uh, Joe kicks over a table. He turns over a table, rather. um, And he also turns over the Christmas tree. And I guess you could say that he's the Grinch here. You know, he ruins the Christmas party. He throws the tree on the ground and tells Matt Morgan to have a happy new year. But he, he doesn't do it like that. He throws the Christmas tree on the ground and then he says, You have a happy New Year. Then after that, he walks out. Jeremy Borash proceeds to ask uh, Eric Young, did anything that Kurt Angle uh, said to you earlier tonight resonate? And Eric Young calls Kurt Angle a moron and says that Shrek and Santa are not the same person. (laughs) What an idiot. (laughs) Do you see the irony in that? He's calling someone an idiot for misconskewing what they said because even though I just take down the notes right to what the conversation was about the irony in that is the fact that (laughs) Eric Young thinks that Santa Claus is an actual entity you know is an actual person Oh, I swear, this is hilarious. <clears throat> the moment they start talking about Santa and how fake he is and how he's not real, Jamie Bo- Jeremy Borash rather uh, looks up 
we can only see the silhouette of a Santa costume as Jeremy Borash then proceeds to tap Eric Young on the hand as Young looks up, is looking down at the ground and he looks up and he says, Santa? So from there, we go into the next match, which is the Grab the Reindeer Suit Ladder Match. And this is the main event of the evening. AJ Styles versus Kazarian, who they call Kaz. AJ getting suplexed onto the ladder by Kazarian. Uh, AJ does a backflip off the ladder, catches Kazarian, and hits the Scorpion Death Drop onto him. What agility and what a move by AJ Styles. AJ with a beautiful-looking Pele kick, <clears throat> making Kazarian stumble and lose his footing. Kaz climbs the top turnbuckle over the ladder and doing what looks to, he looks to be doing a, a Spanish fly, but instead uh, AJ counters and AJ tries to go for the Styles Clash, but Kaz ends up reversing it in an attempt to do the Styles Clash, but Kaz reverses into a double-arm DDT overhead into a double-arm DDT overhead throw by AJ Styles onto Kazarian uh, from atop a six foot, six foot three, six foot, maybe eight and a half to seven foot ladder. I mean, they're pretty high up into the sky. It was possibly even a further drop than just seven foot, but uh, Kazarian pulls down the costume thanks in large part to a distraction from uh, Kurt Angle, who was distracting AJ before he could get atop the ladder. Uh, the last time AJ was atop the ladder, uh, while AJ was distracted by Kazarian, pushing him off of the ladder, and then climbing the ladder himself in order to retrieve the uh, reindeer costume, therefore winning the match. So, for those of you who took a shot every time I said the word ladder. Thank you for uh, playing all of our reindeer games. Yes, that was a double entendre. Thank you for keeping up. But Kazarian wins the match. And I gave it four out of five stars. Those were just some of the highlights. This match went on for 20 minutes. Well, the match itself didn't go on for 20 minutes, but the preceding segments that took place afterwards went on for a little bit of time. <clears throat> I gave it four out of five stars. Uh, this whole entire match, this whole entire, even though it was short, it was 100 miles an hour. Um, from the word go, from the first bell ring, from the beginning to the end, uh, what they had going was fantastic. So many high-flying spots. And a lot of uh, storytelling, as far as I can tell. But for Christmas episode, it's not all that bad. Uh, one of the caveats of this ladder match is that we just got done reviewing was the fact that after the match, the loser of the match has to put on the reindeer costume um, that the winner brings down from the ladder. <clears throat>
AJ Styles starts kicking and screaming and telling the referees that he's not going to do it. He's not going to put on the reindeer costume. Um, they bring up uh, last month when AJ lost the... Um, apparently AJ lost the um, Thanksgiving match too and he was dressed as like a, a pumpkin or a turkey or something. And now he's being humiliated again. He doesn't want to put on the reindeer suit. He's telling them that he's not going to do it. And he's literally yelling at them, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You can't make me do it. And the referees are just, put it on. Put it on. They got this costume. They keep telling him to shut up. They keep telling him, hey, you're going to put it on. And Kurt Angle gets in the ring. Like I said previously, Kurt Angle was distracting AJ, stopping him from winning the match. Kurt Angle gets in the ring, and whenever he does, he tells AJ Styles, look, you sign the contract, you're going to put on the damn costume. Eric Young then shows up. I'm assuming that uh, he's cleaned up that mess of a Christmas party that he had going on, and he brought a guest with him. <clears throat> and what do you know, it's Santa Claus. Kurt Angle in the middle of the ring, and I bet this is awkward because earlier on in the night, it was Kurt Angle who told Eric Young that Santa Claus is like Shrek and Santa Claus isn't real. Well, he gets in the ring and Eric Young gets in the ring with him and then Eric Young starts saying, See, Kurt, I told you Santa was real. I told you. And then he starts telling him that um, and Santa's not Shrek. Look at him. He's not green. He doesn't look anything like Kermit the Frog. You know, like, come on, Eric Young. We get it. We get it. Your childlike innocence, once again, has to ruin everything, man. Santa Claus isn't... Okay. Okay. That, that light that I previously mentioned, guys, it's starting to go crazy. I might have just gotten an email. Forget it. Forget it. I'm not going to finish that sentence. Um, I don't need, like, you know, some sort of... <clears throat> between you and me, <clears throat> guys, between you and me, Santa Claus isn't. Okay, okay. Shh, shh, shh. Nobody, nobody said anything. Nobody said a damn thing. <clears throat> you know, if I was really good at talking in code, I would let you guys know that every third word that I am saying. Never mind. I, I was. I was going to really try to think about a code where every third word I could say, Santa Claus isn't real, all right? <laughs> just forget it. I'll just pay whatever fine that the FCC throws on me. The camera pans out to a little girl in the crowd who starts crying and seeing Kurt Angle attacking Santa <laughs> and starts to put the uh, ankle lock on him. And uh, Eric Young... Uh, throws Eric Young out of the ring. Christian Cage comes out of one of the presents that are under the prop tree that must have been sitting there all night. <clears throat> I'm curious to know what would have happened if he would have had to use the bathroom. Uh, how exactly did they get him in such a small little box? Christian Cage is a big boy and he proceeds to attack Kurt Angle who is attacking Santa Claus. And that's when they go off the air, fade to black.
thank you all so much for joining me um, for episode, what was it, 109? 409. Fun, 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 till my daddy took the T-bird away. Yes, it was episode 109 of the Gut Wrench Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining me. And by the way, there was no censor this entire time. I fooled you all into thinking that I had some light bulb. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Some light bulb, I guess, in my room that was just flashing for some stupid reason. I fooled you all. You're all a bunch of Christmas jokes. And you still believe that Santa Claus exists? You need to understand there's no such thing as holiday cheer and that the Gut Wrench Podcast, we here at the Gut Wrench Podcast do wholesomely believe that anything is possible. Sorry about that. I'm uh I just hired some movers and now they're moving some soda bottles in my room. Thank you all so much for joining me on yet another uh, riveting edition of the Gut Wrench Podcast. Is it the Gut Wrench Podcast or is it just Gut Wrench Podcast? I wonder. Should I maybe change the name to the Gut Wrench Wrestling Podcast? Or should I just keep it the Gut Wrench Podcast? Or is it not the Gut Wrench Podcast? Is it just Gut Wrench Podcast? I wonder what I hold a copyright on because I'm not exactly sure. Thank you all so much for joining me once again. My name is Mocha. This is the Gut Wrench Podcast, episode number 109. Good night, everybody. That's a wrap. Good night. Bang.